potential and possibilities, discussions with fascinating people, designing a better tomorrow for all of us. I'm your host, Ira Pastor. Welcome, everybody, again to another episode of our show, bringing you another really fascinating guest today who is helping to create a better tomorrow on many unique fronts. Uh, today, we have the honor of being joined uh, by Soren Ostergaard, uh, who is Vice President of Digital Health Globally uh, for the Novo Nordisk Company, uh, where he leads their company initiatives in digital health, as well as leading the digital health solutions in development. Additionally, uh, Soren is responsible for the commercial development of all digital health injection and other devices that they have in development, uh, as well as Novo's partnering strategy data integration, and commercial development strategies with their various partners in this area. Uh, Sword is a thought leader within the field. He has more than 16 years of experience at Novo Nordisk, uh, and he has been able to unite and excite people towards ultimately how digital health ultimately adds value to pharma, uh, the healthcare system, and ultimately people's lives. And he's very passionate about the interplay between pharma and tech, and ultimately how this, once again, is used to improve quality of life in people's lives. Uh, before the current role, Soren was uh, executive advisor to the executive vice president of commercial strategy uh, and corporate affairs. He ran the executive vice president office for two and a half years. And prior to that, in various positions, mostly uh, within global marketing, uh, which was centered around product management of medical devices and needles, uh, as well as portfolio management. Uh, Soren also managed and developed two iterations of Nordisk launch framework. He's led global launch prep for 20 plus products, uh, and he's done portfolio analysis, valuation for various development assets, uh, sat on project teams, uh, leading commercial development work for both drug and devices. Uh, Sword has both a, a master's of science in management, innovation, business development, and a bachelor's in computer science and business admin from Copenhagen Business School. We're lucky to have him with us today. Uh, Soren Ostergaard, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to join us. Absolutely. More than happy to. It's great having you. Um, I, I would like to start out, uh, as we typically do, by, uh, by handing you the floor for a little bit to talk just a little bit more about uh, your background. I, I noticed sort of really early in your career, you started off in information sciences. Uh, talk a little bit about how you got interested, not just in, in IT, but also uh, in the pharma and healthcare space, and ultimately a little about early career journey. I think that'd be great things to, to get going. Yeah, I think uh, so. Uh Information sciences and uh, computer sciences. I think that's been uh, that's been brought in uh, at a very uh, very early age. So uh, got my first computer in the 80s, and uh, it kind of just uh, kind of just stuck, and then you know, it's been developing uh, in in that direction. Um, and then I, I just got a, a natural interest in uh, computer sciences and programming, and uh, 
and the likes and um, that uh, kind of uh, in an unplanned way, I think, uh, kind of got me into computer science, um, uh, the field of computer science. And uh, and then uh, by by chance, uh, after my master, or after my bachelor's, um, I got onto a master's degree that had a special focus on pharma. Wasn't too uh, focused on pharma at the time, but the, the 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 more I learned, right, the 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 purpose, the why, the the reason, uh, the people work in pharma is uh, is a is a is a value. It's, it's a it's one that uh, that really resonates because um, you know you want to help people, um, and you know based on my knowledge of the computer science, I, I at that stage thought you know we we must be able to to merge these uh, some of these fields. Uh, and, um, and and pharma will be able to benefit, um, and that uh, kind of led me to uh, yeah, to on a path where I joined Nordisk and have been there. I mean, been really happy about it. Uh, stayed on for uh, close to seventeen years soon, right? And um, uh, and that that um, I've always tried to, and in many uh, many times during my career, have been lucky enough to work in kind of the intersection between uh, medical device. Uh, IT and, uh, and commercial uh, model of, uh, of pharma, um, and, uh, and found that to be interesting. And as as I think as as we're seeing as this uh, this field, let's call it the, the digital health field or digital medicine or digital therapeutics or you know uh, whatever we call it uh, with whatever lens we look at it uh, from, then um, you know that that's that's really starting to converge to a higher degree. Um, yeah, and uh, over the last couple of years, then I've spent my time building the uh, the organization known what is that is able to deliver uh, software as a medical device um, uh, regulated uh, products um, uh, that accompany our uh, our medicines, and uh, that's uh, yeah, that's probably the most exciting thing I've uh, I've done uh, throughout my career, and uh, and I think this field is is just getting started to be honest absolutely i completely agree with that and you know uh, you know a couple of weeks ago um mads thompson joined us sort of giving us a, an overarching view of innovation at novo um and, you know reading a little bit about your organization the digital health organization a uh, rather broad purview in the sense um uh, the materials mentioned digital health uh and as you were saying digital therapeutics as well so here we get into sort of the integrated uh digital with the devices and then also of course patient support talk a little bit if you would about the background of the digital health organization how it was formed sort of the the initial ideas for how this was going to be set up sort of in the overall sort of innovation ecosystem at Novo. yeah so i've been uh, i've been in Novo Nordic for 17 years right and uh, to to my knowledge then we've had kind of uh, three eras of uh, of digital health they've, they've been called uh, different things throughout right so um back in the early 2000s uh, we had uh, we had an initiative i wasn't part of it then in the late 2000s, then we had uh, we had another initiative called Treatment Insights at the mm -hmm. time, right? Which was essentially what we would call digital health today. Um, the timing wasn't right, the infrastructure wasn't right, the, the external environment with uh, cloud computing, with uh, pervasiveness of, uh, of devices being online and uh, and being able to exchange data freely, etc. This wasn't uh, present, so we ended up closing the initiative. And the current iteration that we're on now, that started out in uh, 2015 uh, by our uh, EVP at the time, Jakob Ries. He's now the CEO of a company called Falk. But, um, but he, um, 
he gave the task to uh, to some clever people to say we need um, to figure out how we can utilize regulated digital products so that people can get the um, maximum therapeutic benefit of our medicines because that's not happening to a sufficient degree currently. And that's a shame, right? When you spend uh, 10, 20 years developing innovative medicines, then uh, if people, they struggle to use them in the most appropriate way to get the full benefit, then that's uh, just a bad news for for, our, for us as a company. It's bad news for society and it's certainly bad news for patients. So, <clears throat> so, uh, so um, I think we were a little bit, um, at the time we were a little bit, um, you could say naive on what journey we were embarking on. I thought, uh, I think we were thinking this was, uh, you know, how difficult can it be to make an app uh, mm -hmm. to, uh, to help? Um, and I think as, as, we've, uh, as we've matured, as regulators have matured, as uh, the whole industry have matured, we, we see that when we make regulated apps that um, interact with the way people use medicine and optimize the way you use medicines, we have to be really careful in how that is designed to avoid any uh, patient safety related uh, um, instances or, uh, or issues or situations. Um, and um, uh, and um, yeah, and therefore the, the, uh, you can say the, the whole digital health organization Norman Nordisk has grown. Mm -hmm. So um, I think we found out that we were uh, very immature uh, at the time in 2015 in our infrastructure to be able to make uh, solutions in this space. So um, we had uh, we had no QMS system, uh, right? So we had no QMS uh, that could facilitate that we. Uh, could stay compliant with the uh, emerging regulation. Um, we had very limited experience um, in developing uh, medical uh, medical apps under design control. Uh, luckily, you could say, I think for Novo Nordisk, is that we have a long heritage of making medical devices via our uh, device development organization, because <laughs> we make uh, uh, injection devices uh, in-house. Um, and therefore, I think we had an advantage to compare to many other uh, mid-sized or mm -hmm. large pharma uh, in the ability to work under design control for medical devices. And there's there's a lot of similarity between developing medical devices regulatory and and um, and software as a medical device. It's not the same, but but the capabilities that that you need are are, are to a large extent uh, overlapping. Um, so um, so we started out. Uh, creating that, that organization, uh, tried to define the problem that we wanted to solve um, because we knew, uh, however, that, you know, that, that, that the journey we were on, we needed to solve a real unmet medical need if we were to continue. And this doesn't become like the, the e-business e of uh, 2000s, right, where everybody uh, and their mother had to have a, a, an e-business, uh, say, um, uh, franchise in, in the company. <laughs> So, um, so, so what we what we defined very clearly was the, the, that the problem we wished to solve was optimizing the use of our medicines, um, and, um, and 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 we identified that in order to do that, we needed to um, to have medical devices that could collect accurate data on the, the how people they used our medicines. Mm -hmm. So, um, so we made. Um, so yeah, so we've developed uh, smart insulin devices that could capture, uh, you know, the dose, the timing of the dose, and which drug is being injected. Um, and then, 
then start that that's kind of the the, the base for the ecosystem that's being created um which um which then uh, you know we've made a lot of uh, partnerships with uh, leading med uh, medtech uh, companies like uh, Abbott and uh, Gluco, Medtronic, Ross, <laughs> MySugar, and uh, Dexcom, and a number of others. Um, and in order to ensure that the data can be correlated with other relevant data sets to provide insights that that uh, become actionable uh, and can be used in, uh, in clinical practice. Um, and um, <clears throat> yeah, so, uh, so so that's how we started. I think we uh, we did a pilot back in in Sweden back in uh, 2017, 18, 19 uh, timeframe. Where, um, where we had our medical device uh, launch, we had integration with uh, with glucose uh, diacet system uh, in Sweden, um, and then we uh, we distributed a, a number of devices and, and collected the data, ensured appropriate consents and all those things, um, and and um, and then uh, tried to look at you know when you have accurate information about how medicine is being used. How, you know what's the impact of that in the conversation that's happening between physician and patient, mm-hmm. uh, and we've um, we've since then uh, made a number of publications. There's a number of abstracts and, and publications on on kind of the, the the results and the learnings we had from doing that. And to our surprise, I would say we we saw that there was a really significant uh, and clinically meaningful impact on people's outcomes when uh, when such data is available. Uh, to facilitate this uh, conversation between physicians and patients. Um, um, and not only that, we also saw that, uh, uh, that, that, that it can lead potentially to cost savings, at least in a Swedish context, that's, mm-hmm. that's what it looks like, that, uh, that the healthcare system uh, will, will save around like, uh, is it 11,000 euros per patient over the lifetime of a patient uh, based on the, on the results that, uh, that can be generated over uh, at least the period that we studied, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of uh, uh, continues on. So I think uh, that that's yeah that that's uh, that's what that's the journey we've been on. So um, so obviously the you know when when we did this pilot, everything was held together by duct tape basically, right? And uh, you know when we did um, when we did uh, consent forms, it was still done on paper uh, because we didn't have the, the the infrastructure to do so. So um, but we were super encouraged by the fact that. We have identified a problem uh, that people are not u- using our medicines uh, optimally. We've identified tools that can help them use them uh, increasingly more uh, more optimal. Uh, and then we said, okay, so then we need to build the infrastructure to be able to scale this and bring this to many more countries, many more uh, patients. Um, and uh, and then we we started building uh, a lot of the infrastructure, which of course expanded the the role uh, and the. Um, uh, you know, in the organization uh, to, to deliver such things. So we had to build, uh, we had to build a, a data infrastructure. Um, we had to build uh, a, um, we had to de- build the ability to do compliant data pipelines with our partners to exchange mm-hmm. data in a way that uh, is compliant with GDPR and other stuff. Um, we had to, uh, we had to, of course, uh, work with our partners to get them to to utilize the data and and be able to extract the data from the smart insulin pins into their uh, into their systems and correlate it with the, primarily the blood glucose data coming from from either BGMs or, or CGMs mm-hmm. uh, and um, yeah and, uh, and then of course that that then 
then that has that that's been ongoing uh, since then uh, to to build this infrastructure to yeah to ultimately right uh, be able to support uh, as many of the uh, I think it's currently around 30 million people that are using Nordisk insulins daily mm-hmm. uh, supporting them uh, in, in getting the most out of of the medicines that uh, that they have been uh, put on to manage their disease. Uh, so that's kind of the, the first use case of uh, smart insulin pens, bringing data, accurate, reliable, credible, complete data uh, into uh, uh, clinical practice mm-hmm. to uh, to help everyone have better conversations and make better decisions. Uh, Excellent. So that, yeah, so that's, uh, that, that, that's the journey we've been on. And, you know, as you've developed uh, this amazing a set of systems, this infrastructure, as you're saying, um, talk a little bit about how, because, you know, you, you have both internal and external innovation initiatives. We, we say internal for the time being. Uh, obviously, top of mind, right, when, when one says Novo, one immediately thinks diabetes and, and, and I guess more recently, diabetes. Uh, but you're involved in much more. You're a, a hemophilia company. You're a women's health company. You're, you're involved in growth hormone uh, products and, and, and so forth. Talk about a little bit about you know whether it's the the wearables, the the adherence, compliance tools, and so forth. How does your team go about targeting the development of the new digital solutions? Do, do you get your sort of marching orders from the various uh, product teams? Uh, how how does everything work now that you have the infrastructure set up? If I come along, I'm the the project manager on the hemophilia project. I got this need. I come to you, and and X happens. Yes, I think the the way we've um, so I think. I think it's fair to say that this is this is uh, still developing. We're, you know, we're finding our way of how to navigate this. Um, but I'll give a couple of uh, a couple of examples of sure. how we uh, how we go about this. So, so ultimately, the underlying unmet need that people are not utilizing medicines to a sufficiently high degree in chronic care is uh, is something that uh, that we have found uh, no matter where we live. Right. So whether we're looking at insulin, whether we're looking at GLP-1, growth disorders, hemophilia, uh, obesity. Uh, so when people are taking these medications chronically, then it's difficult for them to comply day in, day out, 24 hours a day with no breaks, with any, any regimen. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, and therefore, we are all, have also been able to measure kind of the inefficiency in use um, of, uh, of all of those medicines. Right, so right. so the underlying unmet need is kind of what's guiding us. Mm-hmm. We are not currently exploring what I would call uh, like digital modes of action that are separate from the mode of action of the medicine. Okay. So our, our focus is to ensure that that the medicines, uh, the digital, uh, the mode of action inherent in the molecule gets uh, utilized optimally. Right, and uh, because we believe that the, the the opportunity for society for for more health here. Is is very big, and and I think WHO made a report back in two thousand three to the same nature that the biggest opportunity uh, is to use uh, medicines uh, optimally, right? And that that's what we are targeting. Mm-hmm. Um, so so when we when we go about what should a new new product be, then we look at uh, we start with the patient, um, we look at um, at the patient journey in the in the given field. Mm-hmm. We would typically, uh, we have some in-house uh, anthropo- uh, anthropologists, right, who would do uh, some uh, kind of some field work to follow patients, to talk to patients, to talk to caregivers and other relevant parties to identify 
what they are struggling with on a daily basis. Because what we found is that the difference between, let's say, I'll, I'll just use an example. So if, um, if, if you have a type 2 patient, so mm-hmm. a, a person with type 2 diabetes who's on a basal-only uh, therapy, um, and um, then, uh, you know, based on uh, some, uh, a lot of studies like phase 3 and phase 4 studies, then let's say that about half of those on, on, uh, on any modern basal from Novo or from, from anywhere will, will get in, in good glycemic control if, uh, you know, in a clinical study, right? In a randomized controlled clinical study. But when, but the difference when they use them in the real world, like the world we live in, is that only instead of it being half of patients, half of, of people that are on this, like getting good control, then it's mm-hmm. like 10 to 20%, right? Mm-hmm. That's the, our real world data studies suggest, mm-hmm. right? That there's a really big difference here. So the gap between what, what the drug can do under controlled, randomized controlled clinical trial uh, circumstances and in the real world, that's what we're looking at. What are the reasons that people are not realizing this? And, and, and that has a lot to do with things that are not necessarily related to the medicine itself. It's, it's simply because it's super overwhelming to live with mm-hmm. chronic disease and having to manage it day in, day out. And in the case of insulin, there's also the risk that, you know, if you take too much, that could potentially be dangerous. If you yep. take too little, that could also be dangerous on the longer term. So, 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 so people are struggling uh, with this. So we need to follow them. What, what is it that people are struggling with, right? And, and in the case of being on a basal insulin, it could relate to them um, being scared for a number of different reasons of uh, titrating the cell or escalating the dose to the appropriate dose to manage their disease, mm-hmm. um, right? And they would, because they would feel, they either feel scared that, of whether they're calculating the dose correctly, right? And, uh, and they know that taking too much is dangerous. It could also be that, um, the, um, yeah, that they, they, they simply, they, they don't know. So they would need some guidance in, in, in how to do that because that, they, they, they become unsure about mm-hmm. uh, how they should, how they should act. Um, but it could also be that they're just overwhelmed by all of the stuff being delivered or that they are spending their time with their family and then they're just managing their disease. You know, they're, they're not living to manage their, to, to, you know, they're living, uh, living to the, you know, to be with their disease. They're mm-hmm. managing their disease. They can live their life. Right. And, and we need to design products that actually help them do that. Right. And that's, mm-hmm. um, that's what we are focused. That's what we are uh, focusing on and, and doing anthropological work with, to, to, to understand this deeply before you, you go in and, and design solutions. Uh, we found is, um, uh, is very uh, effective also to mobilize internal support, uh, because sometimes when we sit in, in big pharma companies, we are not close enough to the people that are actually using our medicines. Yep. Because a lot of pharma companies, including uh, including the Nordic's primary customers are the physicians to convince the physicians to make the you know make sure that they have the all the data to make the right decisions on behalf of the patients. Um, but but when we are designing digital solutions that m- may be used uh, directly by patients. Then we need to make sure that that uh, that we are also addressing the needs that these patients are struggling with when utilizing our uh, or when dealing with the our medicines. Uh, so so uh, the anthropological work typically kind of results in a uh, in us creating patient journeys with uh, intervention points that uh, along their along their journey um, rooted in uh, in having studied and and followed them. On, uh, on what they struggle with uh, on a daily basis.
Um, so, uh, so, so um, by, by doing so, then uh, we identify what unmet needs there are. We, um, we work with the product teams uh, from, the, uh, from, the, uh, from the brands or from the, um, the, um, uh, yeah, the molecules mm-hmm. uh, to figure out which needs are the ones that, that uh, digital solutions should address. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we put a team together uh, with uh, kind of a cross-functional, uh, we call them glob- uh, kind of a system teams or that, uh, that have kind of cross-functional uh, representation from medical, right. from marketing, from uh, technical uh, people and others, um, and then uh, and, and put them together to work on, on solving that specific uh, uh, problem. Uh, but but I think uh, I, I think realizing uh, going down this right and uh, also to anyone who's uh, who's listening right that getting this uh, getting this right that, that's a that's a difficult task uh, because because the digital health uh, or digital solutions uh, like the ones I've mentioned they cut kind of the value chain a little bit differently than the way pharma companies are typically structured yep. so so. So right now, it's, it's pretty clear when we develop a new molecule, we put a global project team in place and they are responsible for anything that has to do with that molecule. Yep. When you then make a digital solution, that digital solution, let's say a dose guidance solution or a titration solution may, may, um, may be applicable or may kind of cut across both one molecule, another molecule. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and therefore, you know, the, uh, you, there could be, um, you know, there could be some issues that arise relating to who's responsible uh, and who, who's uh, accountable here, uh, and and that's that's kind of a that's something we, you know, that that we we encounter as we go along, uh, and it usually um, it usually results in some really good uh, discussions that makes the products under development stronger, mm-hmm. uh, but but we are just we are just kind of still in the process of figuring out how to structure this in the most optimal way. I think we're getting there, but, uh, but I think that's, a, that's been a lot of learnings uh, along the way here. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. As you, um, you know, you're going through this learning process, um, you know, you were, you were just, it gave a very sort of elegant overview of, of how it all works internally. Um, but, you know, like all pharma companies and like, you know, Novo has with their, external innovation initiatives and partnering your digital health also uh, is part of this um i was wondering if you could because there was a few sort of publicly disclosed relationships that, that your organization has i was wondering if you could talk a little bit about each of these because i think they, they once again they show sort of the elegance of some of what you're you're working on there and, and the first of these that um that i came across in the news was this relationship uh, between novo and a, a company called biocore uh which was uh you know working sort of on this continuum as you were saying before we have the the device the smart pen which can not only you give the insulin, but record sort of the um, uh, the, the scheduling, and then it also can relay that yeah. to the primary healthcare physician. Talk a little bit about this relationship. With you. Yeah, so maybe I'll just start because I remember the, your initial question as well, so uh, that I didn't answer completely right. But but I think the way the way we have structured our ability to work in this field is we will have we will have internal development, so uh, so internal mm-hmm. development efforts where we uh, develop it end to end, right? Yep. Then we, we also have the ability to work with external partners where we do the product specification, but the extra, we, we hire in external uh, companies to, to uh, 
to do the development and then you know we do the validation right and then and then we also have what we call software as a medical device as a service right so we our qms can kind of cater to working in various different um uh, um uh, various different ways right mm -hmm. and and then we also have kind of your traditional uh um, you could say hands off uh, uh commercial collaborations i would, mm -hmm. I would for lack of a better word, uh, that, that we have. So um, the, the BioCorp collaboration is a collaboration where um, our aim is to ensure that everyone who uses Novo Nordisk uh, medicine uh, and with the BioCorp announced uh, thing, it's, uh, it's within insulin, that, that they have the most options to record this data uh, and share it with whomever, uh, you know, uh, that they feel that this data is relevant to be shared with. Um, and uh, so, so what we are, we have internal development efforts. We have uh, launched Nopen 6, uh, Nopen Echo Plus, which is a, a fully integrated uh, uh, injection device for people using monodisc insulins. Uh, and we are rolling that out uh, kind of worldwide. But there will also be people that, are, that uh, would, they would need other options. And uh, I think we, we are, uh, we would like to make sure that people have more options so that uh, more people will, uh, will get that. And the BioCorp collaboration is one such uh, collaboration where we are trying to make this available uh, in, uh, for more people. So the collaboration is that, um, that, uh, that, that BioCorp develops this and we will then uh, uh, buy that from, uh, from BioCorp and help uh, commercialize that in a number of markets. Um, we have some agreements that we will, of course, facilitate um, that there will be a, a data sharing and uh, an appropriate consent management and, and other things for uh, any partners that, uh, for example, go to uh, developer.nordisk.com and sign up to, uh, to our developer portal uh, so that they can work with the data, build that data into their solutions and make their solutions uh, more valuable for the users of, of those solutions. Um, so, um, so I think we're super, super, uh, you could say, uh, excited about our collaboration with BioCorp. Um, on their, uh, you know, their attachment device. Uh, mm -hmm. So, um, so whereas Nopen 6, Nopen Echo Plus is kind of a durable device where you put in cartridges, then the BioCorp solution is kind of an auxiliary, uh, auxiliary device or attachment device that you put on pre-filled pens. Uh, and, and there's a lot of people out there that have a preference for using pre-filled pens. So that's that's one option. Um, and and then we have, uh, uh, we will we will see more uh, more options kind of being developed. As well, so uh, so that's uh, I think uh, yeah, it, it's it's super exciting, and and, uh, and the guys in, uh, in France and Barcop they're they're doing a, a hell of a job, uh, kind of uh, doing, uh, getting these uh, developed, and uh, hopefully soon into the hands of uh, patients. And we're super excited about. It. Excellent. Yeah. Um, sort of another one that's uh, equally fascinating, um, uh, Novo. Um, recently made uh, financial participation in a company called Verona Health. It's, it's interesting because you co-invested with J&J &J and Merck and some other big pharma players in this one. And here, much more sort of all-encompassing uh, sort of data management in terms of uh, 20,000 healthcare providers, half billion point-of-care health encounters. Um, the electronic health record system you know, is obviously so important and it's been mentioned as being so important over the years, but always very hard to to wrap your hands around the uh, sort of 
traditional technologies. Talk a little bit about what you're doing uh, with, with health system records and, and this related deal, if you could talk a little bit about it. Yeah, so, um, so I think digitalization is, is a bigger topic than digital health only. Yep. So, uh, so the, the Verona Health uh, is actually something that's handled elsewhere in the organization. And, uh, and as such, then uh, my organization is not directly okay. uh, involved. Um, but, I, but I think the, the important message here is that, that we will see digitalization and we will see no one what is uh, in a number of different initiatives. There's also other initiatives that are super exciting. I think like the Beamer initiative um, that, um, that, that is also something that's handled elsewhere than mine. Okay. I think this speaks to the fact that, that we as a company uh, are fully on board on this digital uh, transformation of pharma. And, um, and we need to make a lot of different um, uh, you know, uh, trials and errors and, uh, and, and make different collaborations and, get, and activate a larger part of the organization yep. in seeing and working with the opportunities that are presented. Um, and and yeah, the Verana uh, Initiative, there's, a, there's a, a whole host of other initiatives as well that, uh, that we as a company are embarking on. Yep. Um, so, um, so I can't speak specifically to the Rana one, but um, but I can say that that the um, that the organization as a whole are exploring uh, that and and many other uh, initiatives. Excellent. Yeah, I, I figured I just I'd highlight it anyway, just to show how the digitalization is is working its way through uh, a major company in the space like Novo. Um, you know, you know, when I, when I talked, as I said with with Dr. Thompson a few weeks ago, um, he, he brought up this you know this interesting concept. He actually wrote about it about 15 years ago, but this principle of the triple bottom line, um, and of mm. course, uh, companies like Novo. You're a pharma company, you got to make money, but at the same time, there are the social and environmental implications of everything we do. Digital health, potentially playing a very important role here and in, in the Nova Digital Health Materials and mentions, once again, this triple bottom line, you know, can we use these digital tools for, uh, for social purposes in terms of uh, low income areas where digital technology have a benefit, of course, environmental uses in the sense that we don't have to do X, Y, and Z and, and <laughs> as opposed to using the digital tools. Talk a little bit about sort of where you see sort of digital health going in terms of impacting the triple bottom line of organizations. Yeah, so, um, so I, think, uh, I think that's the beauty here, right? Because the scalability of these uh, of digital solutions are, are you know, bar none, right? So, uh, so if, you've, if you've made it, if it works, then the cost of scaling that both to uh, premium segments and lower income segments is, uh, I mean, it's not costless, but, uh, but it's, uh, it has an attractive kind of uh, scalability profile. Um, and I think, um, I think the beauty of, uh, of some of these digital solutions is that we make them available for all of the, all of the people that are, um, uh, that are using our medicines. Because I think our objective here is that when, when people, when, when physicians or, and or patients have uh, entrusted themselves by using non-wordless medicines, then they should get as much of the benefit as possible. So, um, so what we've made sure is that the solutions we develop are made available broadly, and we aim for making uh, kind of uh, making them uh, available uh, for uh, as many of our products as uh, as possible. And I'll give you an example. So when we launched uh, when we launched Nopen Six, that works with any Novonordisk insulin launched uh, that is available in pen cartridges. That includes in some markets. 
uh, human insulins that was launched back in the 80s mm-hmm. um, that that you can still use that you can you can still get the benefit and you can still have these more productive conversations with your physician um, and um, and we are in the process of of launching um, no pen uh, six no pen echo plus uh, you know all over the world uh, both uh, trying to get uh, them reimbursed so that they are cost cost free to patients but also uh, uh, otherwise, making them, uh, you know, available for uh, for, for very, uh, you could say, uh, in our view, low cost uh, to uh, to patients. I'll give an example. So in Denmark, um, where we have launched uh, NoPen Six, a device that works for five years, um, that can uh, at the present time be acquired at an online pharmacy for uh, three hundred and ninety nine Danish kroner, which is uh, approximately. Uh, 40, 50 euros or 40, 50 dollars, uh, you know, let's say 50 dollars. It works for five years, so that's 10 dollars uh, a year. I think that, uh, that there's a lot of people that, even if it was not reimbursed, uh, that can, uh, that would be able to benefit from uh, and, and have the, the, the means to benefit from, from the, the cost uh, available here. So, um, <clears throat> so I think it's, it's imper- imperative uh, that digital health uh, reaches. Uh, as many people as possible. That's also why um, why we at least um, are not currently in the process of uh, of, uh, of securing a premium and separate price for the digital solutions in addition to the medicines. Uh, because I think our, our aim is that the that society needs uh, and and are paying for medicines um, uh, premium and innovative medicines. Uh, and and I think we have an obligation to ensure that society also uh, uh, gets the benefits of those medicines that they are paying for. And so, um, so that's the, definitely the aim. Uh, and what what I uh, what I will also say, and what we are super encouraged is that I think you have to look at the full uh, stakeholder landscape here of who benefits. So obviously, you no know, Nordisk will benefit from uh, from the uh, increased use. Of digital solutions, because if people optimize uh, the use of medicines, they will most likely use slightly more of uh, of the medicine um, to you know to address the inefficient use that's currently ongoing. Um, people would typically underdose, or um, uh, compared to what their their actual need was, and and we get paid currently by the by the milligram or or by the unit of, of product, and therefore you know there's a benefit to no noise. But um, but in order for this to be relevant, right? Then uh, society and patients also need to benefit. And uh, and what our initial data from the Swedish uh, pilot suggests is that people are getting clinically meaningful uh, reductions in uh, in their HbA1c from the use of these solutions. So bene- so they benefit. Doctors can use their time more productively because they have they have this data available so it's not that doctors get more time right they don't also don't get less time but having this available actually makes the conversation focus more on the treatment part than the diagnosis part in the initial you know let's say you have uh, between uh, 5 and 12 minutes per uh, normal interaction with the with the patient then you know you want to spend the most of that time treating the patient instead of diagnosing what's wrong and and here the tool can help shift that to towards more treatment and less diagnosis as part of that call. Um, and then you could say then, as I mentioned earlier in the call here, then um, because of these benefits, uh, despite people using slightly more insulin, despite people having to potentially 
pay a premium, uh, a small premium, but a premium for the actual device, then uh, society nets out uh, uh, 11,000 euros, at least in the Swedish context, uh, from people that are utilizing these solutions. So, mm-hmm. so when you look at the stakeholder landscape, right, you have to, for, for digital health or for anything really to, to make sense in the healthcare system, you have to, to um, everybody has to win here. And, uh, and patients win, physicians win, society and payers, they win. Uh, and, 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 and we do it on sustainable terms, uh, you know, as, as, a, as a for-profit company. But uh, uh, yeah, but, but, but that makes sense when, uh, when everybody else in the cascade uh, also uh, yeah, win. Absolutely. So that's, that's, that's what we aim. And, and if we don't succeed with that, then we are not relevant in my mind. And then we have to, to figure, uh, figure out doing something else. <laughs> um, but uh, but uh, but I I I trust and uh, and and I'm super you know excited about us being on this path and encouraged by the emerging evidence that uh, in in this field. And, and, and Soren, you you clearly are passionate about um, digital tech and digital health. You you built this amazing um, infrastructure and you've, you've stayed with it the, over these years uh, as it's gone through these various iterations. Um, what else gets you excited? I mean, obviously we're in a 2022 world of virtual reality, of extended reality, of meta and metaverse. Um, wh- wh- where do you think this is all going? What, obviously a little science fiction here, but where, where is digital tech evolving uh, with some of these new tools? Um, yeah, but I'm a, I would call I'm a I'm a tech realist rather than a, a tech optimist, right? Okay. So, so when when um, when I hear the you know the the you know from the the nerd in me, right? The you know the the guy who grew up, right, gets super excited about the you know the augmented reality uh, solutions and all that. So, but what really gets me excited is when I when I look at the what is it that will drive the next you could say frontier, not on the molecular side, but on on kind of the the, the, the tech side. On more health for society, and I think here what I'm what gets me really excited is uh, kind of the ability soon for us to make uh, advanced algorithms that can optimize treatment, either uh, fighting clinical kind of inertia by people not being on the right uh, move to the right medication at the right time. So uh, just uh, I'll give you an example. So in, in Denmark, we have pretty good uh, kind of registries going back uh, years on. Uh, so so we can we have pretty pretty good data on on uh, on people, uh, and uh, and there you know despite the treatment guidelines in the country stating that uh, you know when you have certain comorbidities then you should be put on cardioprotective therapy right okay. and uh, like DLP one so SDLT two so that, that there's a couple of uh, that, there's a variety of various drugs that you can be uh, you know be prescribed. Then, uh, you know, only, I think it's, uh, it's uh, I'll get you the, the reference if, if needed, right? But it's, it's like, let's say it's 10% of the people that based on the data should be moved to cardioprotective therapy are put on cardioprotective therapy, right? So there's mm-hmm. a clinical inertia that, that, that's not happening. And right. I think we, we can make algorithms and, and because we have access to some of the data uh, or, or society has access to some of this data, then we can more effectively use a lot of the assets that have been developed, like the, all the molecules that are being introduced, the innovative medicines that are being used to a much, much higher degree and much more efficiently for society, right? So algorithms, validated algorithms with a, uh, you know, that gets me excited, right? When, when, those, when those algorithms start to utilize, uh, you know, machine learning uh, or, 
uh, neural nets or, or, or other things, right? I, we're not there yet, right? Because the regulatory mm-hmm. environment is, 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 uh, is evolving. So sure. we'll get there soon. But, 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 but when we start to see some of these, that, that's when we will see a, like a huge transformation on, uh, on the health of at the societal level, I believe. Uh, and that gets me super excited because I think we, when I look at it, when I look into chronic care, I, I see that there's so much opportunity for optimization, right? I think it will take much longer, but uh, but you know you know the 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 music industry moving from you know selling CDs where you yeah. you remember that right where you know there was one good song right you know the, the, <laughs> that one good Celine Dion song that you wanted to listen to but you had to buy like fourteen other songs that, oh, yeah. that seemed like they were just tacked on right. And then to move into 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 this where you are paying only for what's valuable to you, and I think I think th- this is the um, this inefficiency, right? That was in the music industry before, where you are you are buying a, like a full CD for one song. That 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 you know that's also in the in our space, and um, and these algorithms they they have the potential to uh, to remedy that, uh, and uh, and as 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 regulators become more. Uh, able to give kind of good advice and, and, and set the right frames to uh, uh, to ensure patient safety when we do those things uh, then uh, that, that's that I think is is extremely uh, exciting excellent excellent yeah hey, I, I, I I purchased a lot of uh, uh, <laughs> of CDs with with 14 band songs on them but that's a whole other story <laughs> you know now, now you're dating me um <laughs> So while I have you, obviously, um, you've been quite busy, uh, both the internal and the external innovation, and that's going to keep going. Um, where can we look for you in 2022, uh, follow you? Uh, are you going to be at conferences, uh, talks you're going to be giving in the digital health front? Any other hot topics that you want to talk about uh, for 2022, please give me the floor. Uh, yeah, no. So uh, I really encourage people to go uh, follow me on LinkedIn. It's where I, I, uh, I put uh, most of my, uh, my most of my inf- information. I write a lot of uh, not. I write uh, I write articles when there's something I find uh, interesting. Uh, when I find uh, cool tidbits of uh, of data of uh, of uh, you know related to primarily digital health, but uh, I could also be uh, COVID related or, or or other topics. So it's at LinkedIn uh, slash in slash Soren. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me there uh, for sure, um, and uh, I think uh, I'll be out there talking a lot about creating the you know the factual data uh, that will form the basis of the transformation I just talked about. Because algorithms are only as good as the data that you that you can provide, and um, and as we are developing that with BioCorp and and internally, right? So accurate data on how people use medication, then uh, and correlate that with a lot of other things. Then uh, then that's where uh, that. Uh, that 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 I will be speaking a lot about, and then I will also be speaking a lot on our initial, uh, 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 you could say, um, venture into these uh, algorithms uh, that uh, that can give uh, dose guidance um, to uh, to people using our medicines to ensure that uh, that we can provide them automatic uh, dose guidance uh, via an, an app that has been prescribed by a physician. Uh, and and I'll also be talking a lot about that so, this year. So um, so uh, if, if those are interesting things for you, then uh, then, then do hit me up. And uh, and otherwise, uh, to contact us at developer.nomenwaters.com if uh, if any listeners have uh, have solutions that they believe could be uh, could benefit from 
from knowing more about how people use uh, meditation. Outstanding. We will put those links um, uh, to, to Soren's bio as well as uh, the Nova Nordisk uh, Digital Health Connections in, in the uh, the show bio as well. Um, Soren, it, it's great stuff. I um, really rooting you and your team on as you continue to develop this uh, this new vision for digital health uh, and leading the development of these solutions um, for for everybody that's going to be listening to this episode of the show across the podcast networks or watching on the YouTube channel. Uh, you've been listening to Soren Ostergaard, Vice President, Digital Health Global uh, for Novo Nordisk. Um, Soren, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to, to come talk to us for a little while. Obviously, thank you for everything you're doing there. And as, as we like to say on this show, thanks for helping to create a better tomorrow through what you're doing. It's a really exciting story. Thanks for, for spreading the word. I appreciate it. And everyone just... Uh, Keep advancing that. It uh, it'll be beneficial for a lot of people. Absolutely. Be well. <laughs>